Well, good morning, Cash Eye Baptist Church, and welcome to another session of Cash Eye Baptist Online, as we're taking this time each Sunday to join together in worship and praise and in the proclamation of God's word during this time of Corona uh, virus pandemic here in uh, Eastern North Carolina. I want to take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you and thank you for your faithfulness to participate in this. And I do have some announcements for us as uh, our deacons will be looking at uh, a plan to resume our services when uh, our governor and uh, the health officials in the state uh, give us uh, some clear guidance and where we are relative to the outbreak. And so uh, once we get a more definitive word, uh, we'll be able to meet and put uh, a plan into practice. Also, do want to pray for our nation uh, at this time as we're going through this virus. Uh, we're praying for our national leaders, our president, vice president, this task force that's working so well, and, and certainly for our governor uh, and the health officials in North Carolina as they come up with a plan for the future. One thing I'm concerned about, and I know that you probably are, is that we do want to get back to normal, but I pray that this a virus will have accomplished what God wants it to accomplish in the lives of each and every one of us. That uh, we talk about uh, being resilient, but God really wants us to be repentant. And uh, so let's pray that, that God will have a great work in the lives of so many through this uh, virus. I do want to lead us in our congregational prayer. So if you would please uh, bow as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we worship you in your majesty and your greatness. And we're thankful, Lord, that you are greater than any pandemic. We are greater than any adversity. And we bow before you. And we, as we see your majesty, Lord, we recognize that we have fallen short of your glory and what you have for us. And so we want to confess our sins uh, of our own individually and as a nation. Lord, help us to turn from our wicked way and turn to you. We do want to thank you for the protection that you have offered so many in our congregation through this virus. And we do pray for your continued protection. We do think of those that are in the Three Rivers uh, nursing home. There are three cases there. So we do pray for that, those that are uh, affected by the pandemic there, but also uh, that the staff there at Three Rivers will be able to uh, take care of them and uh, that it would not spread as has occurred in other nursing homes. We do pray for those in our congregation that need medical procedures that have been delayed. We pray that those will be carried out shortly and that they'll be resuming their health, as well as those receiving treatment right now that are um, in uh, physical therapy and recovery. We do want to uh, pray, Lord, as you instructed your disciples to pray, as we repeat the Lord's prayer, and we'll say this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And for our scripture reading, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. And if you are home with your family, 
um, and you're using this as a time of worship, let me invite you to please stand as we read God's word. It's a way that we can honor the reading of God's word. So let's read what uh, God speaks to us in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Well, we are still in our Eight Days That Changed the World series, the Easter series, and this will be the last of the sessions. And today we're going to be looking at the kingdom of King Jesus, the Messiah. Now, by way of introduction uh, to King Jesus, the Messiah, the kingdom is a very important topic. As we just said the Lord's Prayer, and in that prayer it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's a point of Jesus' prayer list about the kingdom. So obviously it's important to him to teach us to pray for the kingdom. So if it's an important enough for Jesus to tell us to pray for it, by golly, it's important for us to be aware of it and to pray for it. Uh, by way of review of these eight days that changed the world, this Easter series that we went through, I'd like to tell you that the first one that we looked at was the person and work of King Jesus the Messiah. We looked at his life from the pro prophetic promises um, in time past all the way up to Palm Sunday. We covered that time in his life leading up to the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. And then we looked at the presentation and sacrifice of King Jesus the Messiah on that Palm Sunday and that week of the passion of our Lord Jesus, how he was presented as a Passover lamb. He was inspected for the four days as a Passover lamb. And then on, on Passover, he was sacrificed as the Passover lamb. And then last week, we saw the proof and power of the resurrection of King Jesus the Messiah. He was victor over uh, sin. He was victor over the grave, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. What a great um, uh, Resurrection Sunday that was. But as we looked at that, um, some by way of review, we looked at the resurrection. We looked at the evidentiary proof. There were We talked about multiple witnesses, both sympathetic and enemy witnesses or attestations. There were um, the more witnesses you have in a uh, a trial, 
the more reliable the the presentation. And so that's what we see in the life of um, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then we see some embarrassing details that are not so embarrassing when you consider that they speak to the veracity or the truth of the resurrection. And then we see the transformed lives of the disciples, how they went from cowering and hiding to um, men that turned the world upside down. And then we saw the power of the resurrection uh, to resurrect Jesus and then to certainly redeem and transform lives. And you and I are, are evidences of this and we're living out the resurrection power of Christ in our lives that he has redeemed us and he is in the process of transforming us. And we're so thankful for that. Now, as we look at the kingdom of King Jesus, the Messiah, uh, when we talk about the term kingdom, it refers primarily to the rule or reign of a king with uh, uh, one with subjects or people and uh, with a land or a place and with laws. That's uh, typically a description of a kingdom. And when we talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we can consider that the same as the rule of God, that he is the one that is in charge of making the laws and the rules. And he, what he says goes. And so that's a good description of what the kingdom is about. Now, as we talk about this, uh, there are major biblical themes woven throughout the scripture. Uh, I had shared with you a message several months ago about the scarlet thread of redemption from Genesis to Revelation, how there's this scarlet thread that runs through every page of the Bible talking about our redemption and the blood of Christ and how it is either foretelling of it or speaking of it. And then there's the uh, golden thread of the kingdom. And that is what we're going to be focusing on today. But that is another major theme running through the Bible, um, the kingdom uh, thread. And then also the white thread of the sovereign, of the king, of God being holy and mighty and gracious. He is um, on every page of the scriptures. And we see how those woven together, those braided together, uh, make up these major Bible themes throughout the scriptures. And so we need to be aware of that and we need to be looking for that as we read our Bibles. Now, when we look at uh, this topic of the kingdom of King Jesus and Messiah, we're going to look at the kingdom prophesied, how it was promised in the past. And then we're going to look at the kingdom presented. And then we'll look at the kingdom postponed. And then we'll look at the kingdom perfected or fulfilled. And that's what we'll cover today. So when we look at the kingdom prophesied, um, God's heavenly kingdom has always existed. We refer to the scriptures refer to uh, God as Lord or sovereign. And so he is a king. He's the creator. It's always existed. But we're seeing it now play out in the affairs of uh, daily life and in uh, future life here on earth. And God's design to establish an earthly kingdom is prefigured in the Old Testament. He desires to tabernacle or to be with his people in relationship. We talk about Christianity is not necessarily a religion, but it's a relationship. And he desires to be in relationship with his people and to tabernacle with them. So that's, we'll see that played out in the Old Testament and coming to fulfillment in the New. Now the, one thing that helps us in the Old Testament, we see that the kingdoms prophesied and it's through the typology and the patterns 
and the symbols of the nation Israel. That's a foreshadowing of something greater to come. And so we see that um, God has a people that make up his kingdom. And in Israel, they were the chosen people. And we are also his people uh, adopted in the beloved. And we are his chosen people as well. Well, we're not Israel, but we're ingrafted to the lineage and or the faith line of Israel. And there's a place where the kingdom will be, the capital of it, in uh, the nation of Israel that was in Jerusalem. And God plans to use the capital to be in a uh, Jerusalem as well, a new Jerusalem. And then we see the potentate that God, the creator, uh, initially starting a uh, with the people of Israel. They were a theocracy, and that's where God ruled. And then uh, they moved to having a king, and that leads to this king uh, David and his lineage, his line that would lead us up to a descendant of David, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see that playing out a picture, a, uh, a, a pattern of a kingdom in the Old Testament playing out, and we'll see it realized in the New Testament. I love what First Chronicles 29, 11 says. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. And we see in Daniel 2, 44, and it speaks of, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Speaking of the kingdom of God and that it will endure forever, promise in the prophet Daniel. I like Isaiah 9, and we read this every Christmas. We love this passage. And I'm going to show you some things in it that we look at uh, verses 6 and 7 here. So let's take a look at this. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now I want to show you a couple things in here. If you notice, I've drawn a line under unto us a savior is given and that is a wonderful example of what we talk about prophetic telescoping i've shared with you in the past about this and this is a issue that we need to be aware of when we're reading the prophets because he is looking into the future imagine a, uh, a prophet looking through a telescope and he's talking about events that he sees and he sees one mountaintop and then he sees another mountaintop and then another and he'll speak about those mountaintops not seeing the valley of time between them. So in this verse, uh, 9, 6, uh, where it says, Unto us a son is given, and then picking it up, and the government will be upon his shoulder. One is speaking about his birth, and the other about his kingdom and his establishment of it. Quite a, a bit of time between um, those two events. And that is a great example of prophetic telescoping. And it says the government will be upon his shoulder. And this theme of government or kingdom is playing out here. In verse 7, it says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So his kingdom, his government, there will be no end. And that's what the Lord Jesus is about, uh, is accomplishing at this time. Now, we also see that the kingdom is presented through John the baptizer. He is the herald of the king. So in ancient Near East, uh, the kings or the potentates would have a forerunner or a herald who ran ahead of the, the retinue. They'd, they'd go ahead of the, the king's traveling party and would announce the king's arrival so the people would welcome and respond respectfully to their ruler, that they'd, be a, uh, they'd stop what they're doing, they'd turn to the king and bow respectfully to him. And John was that herald for the Lord Jesus. We see that in Matthew uh, 3, 1 through 3, it talks about John the Baptist. And it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And that's a quote directly from Isaiah 40, verse 3. But um, John was going to be that herald, that forerunner to Jesus, King Jesus. And then we see the kingdom is presented through Jesus the king. Now, a kingdom needs a king. And the king is presented. And we see this in the birth of Jesus when we read about the Magi coming from the east. And they go to Jerusalem because they would think that the king would be um, birthed in the capital. And so they go to Jerusalem and they go to Herod and they ask him, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And so Herod was alert at that and, and troubled by it. But they knew that the king was going to be uh, coming and they were looking for him. And so he's presented. Even the Lord Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the kingdom is being presented to the nation Israel and uh, giving them a heads up, a warning of here it is. Come and see. Now we see. Uh, the kingdom of King Jesus, the Messiah, and it's postponed. Now, this is a very troubling uh, passage. And um, the rejection of Jesus as the Messiah King by the Jewish religious leaders and the people resulted in the kingdom's postponement. Now, this is a very, very important turning point in the earthly ministry, the public ministry of the Lord Jesus. It's in Matthew 12 and Mark 3. And it's this time when the Jewish religious leaders and the people um, see Jesus performing these many miracles. And some of them were miracles only the Messiah could perform. And the people were asking, is this the Messiah? Could this be the son of David? Is this the promised one? And the Jewish religious leaders had a choice. And their choice was, one, acknowledge that Jesus was the Messiah and do things his way. or retain uh, their power and do it their way and uh, give an excuse that Jesus was doing it by some other power. And they attributed Jesus's miracles to the power of Beelzebub. And at that, the people followed their leaders 
And as a result, we see that Jesus uh, postpones the kingdom to the nation Israel. And from that point on in his ministry, he, he starts speaking in parables. He starts training his disciples to take the gospel uh, to the Gentiles. And so we see this is a major transition point in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And so I want to point that out to you. But we see the kingdoms postponed. God's plans have been postponed in the past with Israel. Remember the report of the spies at Kadesh Barnea. The 12 spies go in to look at the promised land. The two come back and say, it's awesome. It's everything God had promised. And 10 came back and said, no, we're fearful. The people are too big. We can't do it. And the nation followed the, the opinion of the 10. And as a result, the, the, the going into the promised land was postponed for 40 years as that generation died off. And then a new generation would go in. And then we see this also during the reign of Manasseh as the idolatry and the uh, practices of the Jewish people was such that um, it caused God to postpone the, the uh, work there in uh, Judah. And they were sent to Babylon in captivity. And this is the third time now that the Jewish religious leaders and the people uh, disobey God and do not understand the time of their visitation. We see a great postponement here. It's very critical that we understand this in the sequence of God's work. Now we see how it's um, postponed when Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation or people bearing the fruits of it. And so Jesus said, well, I'm going to take it from you for a time and a season. Now, as we see this, uh, the, we realize that we're still in God's sovereignty. We're still in God's kingdom. But the kingdom now is a spiritual one. It's an invisible one. It's referred to in the scriptures as a mystical one, that Greek word mysterion. It, it's not evident as we see it. So we realize that it's a spiritual kingdom. And Jesus will tell us, uh, in Luke, he says, the kingdom of God is within you or the kingdom of God is among you. And so we see that it's not evident out in the open with with uh, pomp and circumstance, but it's within the followers, the, the people of the kingdom. And so that's how it's being played out now. It's uh, um, it's within us. And now we want to see how the kingdom is perfected or fulfilled. God's kingdom plan in the end times is it's marching on and, and we need to be aware of that so that we understand God's strategy. What on earth is God doing? Let's understand that he is uh, about building a kingdom, making a kingdom. And we'll see how he does this. Now, I have this great slide and it's quite busy, but let's go through it and uh, I'll try to highlight things on it. Now, on the left side, you see the red arrow and it points down to creation. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then Adam and Eve were created. Uh, they lived in the Garden of Eden. And then they uh, disobeyed God. They took uh, ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we have the fall of mankind. That occurs in Genesis 3. And from that point on, it's God's plan to redeem his people that, that he has created. He loves us so much that he wants to redeem us. And in Genesis 3, we have the promise of a redeemer. One that's going to crush Satan's head and uh, Satan would bruise his heel uh, of the Redeemer. And so through that time, we see that a nation is formed through the person of Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And Abraham had uh, a son named Isaac. 
And then Isaac had uh, two sons, Jacob and Esau. And through Jacob now, the 12 sons that he had will make up the nation Israel. And there's a time of famine in uh, Canaan and they go to Egypt. They get food and supply through the providence of God. And, and one of their brothers, Joseph, is there. And while they're in Egypt for 400 years, that favorable time that they had under Joseph is forgotten. And then the Jews are subject to slavery, a very bitter slavery. God raises up a Moses to deliver them from the um, tyranny of slavery and delivers them and brings them out of Egypt into the promised land eventually. And that brings us up to um, them being formed and the great work God does there. And now uh, brings us up to the uh, birth of the Lord Jesus. Now that occurs uh, anywhere from uh, 6 BC to 4 BC. We know this because of the death of Herod is pretty well documented around 4 BC. So we know that Jesus was born before that. And so Jesus lives. He uh, lives in uh, Nazareth and uh, then has his public ministry being declared by John the herald John the baptizer, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and he starts his public ministry. As we celebrated the uh, death of the Lord Jesus on Good Friday and uh, going to the cross on our behalf, he's, he's crucified uh, and mistreated by those that he came to, and then he is uh, uh, buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. And that was our great resurrection celebration last week. And we see how he works uh, mightily. He's on the earth and disclosing himself to his disciples over a period of 40 days. So from the resurrection to his ascension is a 40-day period. He appears over uh, 10 times to over 500 people. And so it's a that's where we have so many uh, affirmative attestations as to the resurrection. It's well documented. These are eyewitness accounts. After the ascension of the Lord Jesus, he gives a command to the church, go make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and though I'm with you always, uh, even to the end of the age. Uh, at 10 days after the ascension is Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down and he uh, then will uh, give uh, his spirit uh, to the church. And as you see, uh, we have this time from Pentecost to the rapture is referred to as the church age. And I set aside the church age. If you look, it looks like a little detour that now God's primary way of dealing with the world is through the church. God has not forgotten Israel. He has promises that he's made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Moses and David that he still has to fulfill. And so he is still a covenant-keeping God. But right now he has set aside Israel and he's working through the church. That's you and me. And he is working with us. And so as we see this, we see that Star of David uh, just before the rapture of the church. That's 1948. Israel becomes a nation. They go through the Holocaust, the horrors of World War II. The sympathies of the world are such that they give and they... Uh, uh, vote to uh, recognize Israel, and they give uh, permission to go into the land. God worked all that out through all those events. And so in 1948, they become a nation. And if you look at that triangle on the bottom, 
uh, comes up right to that arrow uh, where the arrow is pointing up to the rapture of the church. That's where we are right now. That's where we are standing. And so the next event in this timeline is the rapture of the church. Everything is fulfilled. Everything is ready for it. Nothing further has to be accomplished for the rapture. And that's Jesus coming for his saints. That becomes a very important distinctive. I'll show you here in a second why. But Jesus is coming for his saints. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive will meet them in the air. And together we'll be with the Lord always. And we often hear that passage at a funeral. And, and the Paul the Apostle says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. And what a great comfort to know that we'll be together with the Lord forever with the saints. And then that will lead us into a tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel. Now, we, uh, it's a seven-year period. It's a one week. We talked about the 69 weeks from when the decree went out to the uh, rebuilding and the restoration of Israel in the book of Nehemiah to when Jesus the Messiah comes into uh, Jerusalem in his triumphal entry, 69 weeks or 69 sevens, 483 years. That was precisely to the day, and this term weeks is the Hebrew word heptads or sevens, and so it's going to be a seven-year period, and we see that that's, that's going to occur after the church is raptured. Now, I have this slide to show you on the left-hand slide that we have the rapture of the saved. Uh, they'll meet the Lord in there, Jesus coming for his saints, and then in these seven years of tribulation, they're broken up into two three-and-a-half-year periods. The first three-and-a-half years are uh, a temporary peace. Antichrist makes a pact with the Jewish people. There's a degree of peace and harmony until he sets himself as um, in the temple to be worshipped. This is where the seals, the trumpet, and bold judgments occurs. And it's in this um, uh, second three-and-a-half-year period that this will occur. And this is the uh, time of... Jacob's trouble. This is meant for Israel, not for the church. This is um, for Jacob, for Israel's. And we we read in Daniel, it says, um, 70 weeks have been determined for your people, Daniel. And so that's speaking about the Jewish people. That's what the purpose of the 70 weeks. And so we see that that is going to be a time of desolation. You talk about the COVID vi virus being bad. There's going to be pestilence and disease in some of these uh, judgments, and uh, it will take uh, a large percentage of the world population. It will be a time unknown uh, as ever before. And then the next event after the, after the, the, the time, we'll have the return of Christ, and that is Jesus coming with his saints. Remember I said about the rapture of the church, that's Jesus coming for his saints. Now we're going to see Jesus coming with his saints and is going to fight the final battle of the tribulation and then we'll transition to the millennial kingdom millennial meaning a thousand jesus will rule will be victorious over antichrist and uh will set up a thousand year kingdom he'll sit on the throne of david and he'll have a thousand year reign you and i will be there the old testament saints will be there the tribulation saints will be there and we'll make up that uh population people will be born then and what will happen is at the end of it satan will be released for a season and there'll be the last stand that he'll take 
and he will deceive some, and then the final battle will occur. After that's accomplished, there will be the great white throne judgment of the unsaved, and they will be cast into hell, the lake of fire, and then we'll see uh, eternity. All the way on the right-hand side, we see heaven, and that should be the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, as we read in the Revelation passage. So that's a big picture of uh, God's plan and God's strategy. But we see that the kingdom will be perfected in the end times. And this is still in God's uh, work. He says in Revelation 11:15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. I hope that sounds familiar to you. If you've ever heard the Alleluia chorus, that is in it. And what a great refrain that is. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he's going to reign forever and ever. That is exciting. Now, uh, as we look today, we saw that the kingdom program of God is prophesied in the Old Testament. And then we see that the kingdom is presented by John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus himself. And then through uh, their rejection by the people, it is postponed. And that is, we're living in the church age now. The kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, an invisible kingdom. and But that does not mean that God has done yet. He is still going to work and he will uh, perfect or complete or fulfill his kingdom. Now, I have some applications I want to make with you to understand the times we're living in. Because we are in the church age. The kingdom on earth is a spiritual one. It's invisible. We can't see it. We know it's here. The word of God tells us it's here, but we don't have a physical kingdom of buildings and, and places. But it is within the hearts of you and I and, and the people of God. And we're going to see how God is going to work this fuller in a, in a greater way. And as a result of this being a spiritual kingdom, we are involved in kingdom work. Uh, I shared with you the, past, the, the book of First Peter, and, and I said that that was as a, an ambassador's ma a manual, and teaching us how to be representatives of God, his ambassadors, and our job is about making disciples. And now we do this in many ways. You know, we pray for um, God to work in the lives of so many. We're praying through this coronavirus that people would wake up and turn to Christ in, in great numbers, that they'd be saved. And we want to be ready as a church when they start coming to church and that we welcome them and that we're, 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 we're loving them and that we're discipling them. And then also we witness to people. We tell them about it. And a lot of people are fearful now. We tell them about our faith in Christ and it, it doesn't make sense to them, but we do it. And then they see that we have a, uh, a confidence, a uh, assurance in what God is doing. And one of the most easy way to witness to someone if you're not really good at witnessing you know, simply invite them to church have them be a part of the worship at Cashi baptist one thing i could tell you is we have a friendly church a loving church a welcoming church and as people come they see well this is a good place uh they will be under the sound of the gospel and through preaching and teaching they can grow in their relationship with christ and trust him as savior we also must understand that the kingdom plan of God in world events, uh, when we look at what's going on today with this virus, 
it's it's easy to be anxious. It's easy to be worried. But the scriptures tell us be anxious for nothing. By everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have a peace that passes understanding. And we have to realize God's in control. He's still on his throne. And uh, remember this. Things are not falling apart. Rather, they're simply falling into place. Uh, brick upon brick. Line upon line, they're just all aligning to the ultimate plan of God. And so we can trust him that he's putting together his kingdom. He's using us to bring um, people to, to him, to witness to him, to uh, share Christ with them. And he is adding to his kingdom daily. And so these could be things that cause people to consider their destiny, their mortality. And things are falling into place because God's in control. Then we must understand as we look at these world events, and I tried to make that distinction on that big uh, chart, is that there's a distinct difference between the church and Israel. Boy, you can really get confused in your um, uh, eschatology about the end times. If you uh, mix up the church and Israel, it, it's, it's very easy to do if you're not careful. So we want to tell you that God's plan Right now, he's working with the church, but he has not forgotten Israel. And he is going, when the church is raptured, he's going to resume his kingdom program for Israel. Do not doubt that. He is a covenant-keeping God, and we're going to see that play out. And then we must understand where we are on that prophetic timeline. If you remember that little red triangle on the bottom, it was very close to the rapture. And that was important because the next event on that timeline is the rapture of the church. And as I said, there is nothing else that needs to occur for that event to happen. Everything is absolutely ready and the trumpet will blast and the dead in Christ will rise. And we who are alive in Christ will meet them together in the air and thus we'll be together with the Lord forever. And the thing about it, it's imminent. It can happen any moment. Nothing further prophetically needs to occur, and that's exciting. So it's a little scary, too, because it causes us to say, how then shall we live? What type of people ought we to be, knowing that in the blink of an eye, we could be standing face to face with Christ our Savior? I want to be a faithful follower of the Lamb. I want to be true to Him. And that's that's the challenge for us, how we should live. And that's uh, an encouragement for you to be that type of people that we look for his appearing. It, it's right around the corner. By way of conclusion and invitation, I just want to tell you about this new kingdom and this new Jerusalem. And it's told in Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible. And it gives a great description of this kingdom that the Lord is putting together. Uh, Jesus said, um, I go to prepare a place for you, and where I am, there you'll be also. And so he is preparing a place for us right now, and it's the new Jerusalem. And he says in Revelation 22, verses 3 through 5, There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, 
and they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. That's a promise of God, dear saint, and I want to encourage you to take that to heart and to challenge you to be a kingdom of, uh, of his people, that we live for this, his appearing, and that we'll be with him forever. And this message today is primarily for Christians uh, that to explain what God is doing in the world. And if you're not a Christian, let me warn you that you have no part in this new kingdom. As I shared with you, there is the great white throne judgment. The books will be open. If you're not in the Lamb's Book of Life, you'll they'll see what where you are in that other book, and your name will be sought. They'll see the works that you have done, and you'll be cast into hell for uh, your sins. However, you don't have to do that. The Lord Jesus Christ came to earth as a baby and was presented to be the Savior of the world, and he lived among us, and he dwelt among us. He taught us the ways and the things of God. He came into Jerusalem, and he uh, was inspected as that Passover lamb, and then he went to Calvary's cross to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. He suffered and bled and died on that cross for your sins and for mine. He, he was buried and three days later, he rose again, victorious over sin, over the grave. And he is now making a kingdom to dwell with his people. Wouldn't you like to be a part of that? Wouldn't you like to, to know that you'll be with the Lord and his people forever and ever? You can. And it's as simple as ABC. I say this every week. I have to admit I have sinned. I need a savior. You'll if you're honest with yourself, you know, you know you have. And that you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. You trust that what he did on the cross was for you. And then you see, call on the name of the Lord. Ask him to save you. And he will. Isn't that terrific? I would love to talk to any of you who have never done this. Please stop by the office and or call me or email me. And I'll be happy to meet with you. Even in this coronavirus time, it is that important. It's, it makes a, an eternal difference. Let's close in prayer. Father, I want to thank you that you are about a kingdom. You're, you're the king, and you're putting together your kingdom right now of people, and you're preparing a place for us where we'll dwell with you for all eternity. Thank you for that. And I pray that those who have heard this message will want to be a part of that and live lives that are worthy of such a great king that would be loyal and faithful to our uh, our beautiful king. And I pray that those who aren't, Lord, that they would consider where they are in light of eternity and in light of a judgment awaiting them, that they can find uh, a salvation in the Lord Jesus. We pray that this would be possible. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.